Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend, John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, coming in. Coming in. Yeah. Todd, welcome to Between the Fur, the studios of Between the Fur. Sweet. Yeah, man. Good to have you. Thanks for taking the time to Thanks be with me. Having- Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, Todd, before we get started here, let me give a little shout out here to uh, a-, a listener. Uh, that has given us some feedback and comments lately. Uh, Chris DeGiro, he is a uh, drummer and uh, uh, does a lot of stuff, but actually he reached out to us and said, hey, thanks a lot. Uh, It really gives a a great insight to our world. So shout out to Chris. So uh, Todd, this is Todd Miraldo. He is an NBA mascot. We're not going to say who he is because he's currently in the NBA working, uh, but he has come from the NFL and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then without sharing who he is, talk about some of his experience as an NBA mascot as well. So welcome, Todd. Hey, thank you. Um, that was a big intro. forward to chatting about our world. So, <laughs> Yeah, man. So, okay, so you were in the NFL. Where, mm-hmm. who, when? Um, so, God, I was at the Panthers in the early 2000s, um, the Carolina Panthers. It was a it was a really fun gig. I really missed the NFL. I missed the, the product of the NFL. Um, when I had gotten out of college, I basically took six months off and put together highlights. Uh, and this is dating me, but a highlights VHS tape, and I just basically had a um, memo book, and I basically cold called and sent out VHS tapes for six months to different teams, and I would cold call and then write down when I called them, and then I'd follow up with them, and I just basically would try and network with certain teams. Um, you know, at back then, we didn't really have the, the the power of the information that we do today, so you would call blindly, not knowing um, who you were going to talk to, um, and I really didn't know many people because I was getting out of college, so I basically just cold-called teams and hustled them sending my tapes and then I would just go on auditions when I could get auditions. And I'm very fortunate. I've been in this career now like 20 some years, but a lot yeah, has changed kind of in that, in that amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. A ton has changed. Um, you know, the stuff even like to the material you could do back then 
and you hear about this a lot with comedians, but like stuff you could do for skits compared to now, you can get away with a lot more. Um, we're a lot more sensitive culture now, so we have to be a little more uh, cognizant of what we're doing. And um, I always say there's a difference between like entertainment entertainment and corporate entertainment. And I would say, even though we're mascots, we're still under the corporate entertainment umbrella, meaning, absolutely, you know, you still have to be careful that you're representing multi-billion dollar brands. Exactly. Exactly. There's not, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of, of, of outside the box or, or rogue type of situations that you can get away with anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, you know, that's kind of a hot topic right now with us uh, because there's uh, this thing come down from the league that uh, you know, it's they've even tightened up more uh, in the NBA right now. They've tightened up more on uh, what you can do with opposing team, you know, fans. What you can, what you can do with uh, uh, logos and you know things like that of other teams. We we are now so sensitive uh, of hurting feelings and 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 uh, or or ruffling feathers. Uh, in that regard because of, and, and it's not just because of, uh, I'm finding out, it's not just because of our society, it's also because of uh, stupid fans doing stupid things to players mm-hmm. and, you know, okay, well, where's that coming from? Is it coming from, you know, this or that or, okay, let's just tighten mm-hmm. up everything and just say, hey, you know what, we are going to play nice in all areas, <laughs> all aspects of the entertainment. So. Yeah, and that that of course falls right down to us. So totally, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyways, yeah. So twenty years ago, I mean, we could do a skit that was uh, now would be regarded as you know, oh my gosh, cover your mouth, cover your eyes, cover your ears, and uh, you know, holy cow, you, you did what? So oh yeah, oh yeah. You I mean, I look back and like it's funny I actually have an Excel spreadsheet. And each year I track what skits I did and then I like take notes of how it went, like what props I needed, what music I need. And then um, it's funny because I go back and I'm like, oh, I did that skit. I can't do that. Because sometimes like let's just face it in our world, like we recycle skits sometimes. And, you know, there's some classics that are great, but then there's some I'm like, oh, I still have the props for that. I don't know if I can do that one anymore. Um, So, you know, you do have to get more, a little more creative. Um, and you know, it's hard too, because I mean, and, and you know, like, you know, in live entertainment, once you do something like whether it's on the court or the field or whatever venue you're on, like you don't get a chance to take that back. So, you know, you don't, you can build up a great book of 20 years of experience of great work, but it only takes one really stupid thing to kind of mess it up. So you really have to think through now what you're doing. A lot more thought goes into to what we're doing now. I, I got away with a skit uh, last year that actually two seasons ago uh, that I thought would uh, be great. Uh, I didn't quite think it through uh, as, as much as I should have. Luckily, I got away with it without too much uh, fallout. But yeah, I, I, I cut a guy's man bun off. And <laughs> it was... Awesome. It was great, and you know, got a huge gasp. In fact, I as I walked around with the man bun after that, people wanted to take pictures with it, and it, it was it was quite the novelty thing after that. But I, 
I did have somebody uh, throw a beer on me right after that. Oh, wow. I mean, in anger and just thought I had crossed a line and they were going to now make me pay. So anyways, unfortunately. The way I look at it, it's hair. It'll grow back. It's not a big deal. Like, <laughs> I know. This, this, yeah. uh, this guy just full on threw a beer on me. And then, uh, of course, security came over and threw him out and it, it was a mess, but luckily not too much fallout from it, but yes, yes. You do have to think through things like totally yeah, much, man. Much that's more. an, ex that's an expensive, uh, sign of anger to throw a $10 beer at a mascot. Yes. I might like drip a little on you. That'd be like maybe 30 cents here or there, but man, to do like a whole $10. Whew, yep. It's pricey. Full on doused yeah mm. but you know and i love the uh, fact that going back to what you said earlier about sending out vhs tapes there are so many guys that i've talked to in this podcast that were in that same situation sending out vhs tapes i did that i received a bunch back in the day mm -hmm. from, you know they would always get passed on to me and i'd of course throw them oh. in the trash but because uh, I wasn't going to look Same here. Yeah. So. <laughs> totally. Like, oh, here's a replacement. What? There you go. Here's somebody that yeah. uh, wants your job. Okay, great. Totally. Yeah. And the best but, is when people are always like, oh, I could do that. Like, oh, I've like worn a costume a couple times. I could so do your job. I'm like, mm, until you're like get out in front of 17,000 people and like you're donking tonight or you're still walking tonight or we need you to do this done. Okay, cool. Um, I get that all the time. It's kind of fun. Like, and I, I just play mute and I, I respect people, but you know, I say this to everybody in every profession, like you never know what a person really goes through until you've actually done it and gone through all the little quirks and nuances. And, um, yeah. Until you've walked you, in their you know, shoes. Like, <laughs> totally. Like our PA announcer before every game, he literally like sits down and he like does go through the phonetics of each player. So he doesn't screw up a player's name. I'm like, you never think about that stuff, but you actually see him like voicing it before it. But yeah. Which is brilliant. That's that. Mm -hmm. I always think about that. Oh my gosh, I could never do that guy's job because I mm -hmm. could never just spout out those names that fluently and, 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 and with such grace. Totally. So, you know, back to uh, your experiences in the NFL, what got you from there to the NBA? So it's interesting. Um, or wait, your time with the do, Panthers, though, was, was – you said it was some of the funnest times. What and why? Um, you know what? So the product – I love the product, for one. Um, I think they do a good job. I had some – you know, it's, anytime you have, like, your first – I think it was my first – it was my first professional job. So it's always going to have a place in my heart because somebody gave me an opportunity um, not that I'm not thankful for what I have now, but I think it was my first one and everything was just really new. Um, I love the product. I loved, um, the camaraderie of, um, all my fellow guys as well. Um, I loved the fact that it, even though it's not, uh, an NBA game, it's a huge production. So every event just feels huge. Um, but that being said, I was exhausted after NFL games with NBA games. I'm still a little bit tired, but not, not as tired because it's not um, as long of a day. Um, and then what got me started or what transitioned me from the NBA, NFL to the NBA is I originally wanted to be a, an NBA mascot, 
but you know what? These jobs are so rare that you kind of just take what you can get. Um, and so I auditioned in the NHL, NFL, and NBA. And NFL was my first gig. Um, I was very fortunate, like I said, that they gave me the, the opportunity. Um, and then I do a, uh, a Make-A-Wish event in Florida every year. And the Niners mascot and I roommate, we roomed one time. He happened to be the MC for the current team I'm with. And when this job came open, he actually said, hey, would you be available in auditioning for this? I said, sure, I'd love to try out for this team. And then that was kind of the, the transition that took me from the NFL to the NBA. And the reason why I wanted to be MBA is because of its emphasis on entertainment and the value they place on um, our jobs. Um, I just thought there was much, much more to do, more versatility. It's a very progressive, forward-thinking brand um, that I, I really do embrace. Um, and uh, so that was kind of like, that's my story on how I transitioned. Um, and I thought it would be easy. To, like, I really didn't think it would be hard, but the first two years were really difficult for me because you're so in front of the crowd. It's a very intimate environment. And, um, you know, the, the emphasis on skits and on-court entertainment is much different. You kind of get lost in the NFL, but in the NBA, it's, it's a lot tougher. And it's a lot more physical as far as the, the range of things you're doing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my story and how I went from the NFL to the NBA and then kind of what I think of the experience so far. Well, I love that because, you know, I've had, I've heard a lot of people come from the NFL, uh, to the NBA and, uh, you know, say some similar things, but you know, you articulated that very well. It, it does have a, um, an emphasis on entertainment, although guys in the NFL, and they work. It, you you said it. There, it's a long day. You know, I talked mm-hmm. to I talked mm-hmm. to several of these guys, and it's just like, wow, you're you're already there at eight a.m., nine a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. uh, for an evening game, or you know, gosh, when it's two o'clock, when it's a two o'clock game, what time you get there? You know, so. Uh, but what's what's the general sense? If I can go into this, I don't know if I can or should. But what's the general sense? Of, how do how do guys in the NFL? view the guys in the NBA. That's so funny you say that because um, it's funny. So when I was doing it, and I don't know how it is now, but we would have conference every year in the NFL, and we were kind of jaded because I kind of thought you guys are kind of divas. Um, <laughs> and we didn't really like the NBA, the NBA guys. And, like, I, they're guys – I mean, there's still one or two guys that are still doing it in the NFL – and that I know of, and they're hilarious. And I would say, like, the guys in the NFL were really good at, like, pantomiming or mascotting or, you know, what they call in the acting world, spatial form art. Um, whereas now, having seen both sides of the coin, I feel like the guys in the NBA are extremely athletic, but I don't, um, I don't always feel as though we're always great at really what a mascot is, which is really nonverbal communication. Um, we all have different backgrounds. I think the NFL hired more people like mascots out of college. And I feel like the NBA throughout their hiring process has always hired just really athletic guys um, yeah. that don't always have the actual nonverbal communication down. Um, so I kind of went all over the place of how you asked me that, but I think, it's kind of my long-winded version is we always kind of thought you guys were divas, but I think that comes with skill sets. I think 
overall, and I can say this to this day, is that the majority have the majority of the NBA guys, like I said before, have more range. They have to do a little more on court. You know, you're not going to see an NFL guy dunking off of a trampoline or inline skating or stilt walking. It's just that sport doesn't lend itself to it, but their timeouts and their, their format. So, yeah. That's that's a great answer, and it was very mm-hmm. well put. Yeah, because, you know, we do overlap a little bit, but not that much. And, and uh, um, I always, I, you know, I love talking to the NFL guys and, and, and seeing what they do and everything, because it is a different world. But uh, the mm. NBA, you know, is all I've known. So, you know, in, in reality. But I, I've worked a few NFL games, like the full on, on the field. And I tell you what, man, that is a huge stage. Huge. <laughs> you just get yeah, lost. It's huge. Yeah, and I would do like pregame skits, and you like nobody would. There's only like there's not enough people to even see my skits, and you still don't get the the time you you do in the NBA. But you know the other thing that I forgot to mention, I was actually one of those guys that thought I was like I don't get NBA guys like why do they think they're all that, and then I got here and I was like oh, so like for example we had opening night the other night, and I literally I did a dance routine, I dunked with our dunkers, I rollerbladed in the fourth quarter, and I still walked and I'm like that's like I had like four timeouts um so to my point you don't really understand what somebody does until you're in their footsteps so and I love how you said that some of the guys in the NBA were merely just absolutely went hands down uh hired because they were great athletes or a great gymnast Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um I I always kind of had an issue with that I mean after I got in I noticed a lot of, of that happening. You know, I, when I'd meet new guys, I'd say, Hey, so, you know, how'd you get here? Oh yeah. No, I was a gymnast at wherever, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, Oh, okay. It, 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 did you, you know, what mascot experience did you have? Mm, none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm always like, and that blows you know, my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I came up through high school, uh, junior college, university, before I even got mm. to the NBA and it was, uh, miming. I mean, it was, it was mascotting. It was, it was mm. a lot of, you know, winging it, but yeah. anyways, I mean, crowd work. I I've talked to several guys that, uh, have approached me saying, you know, gosh, I can't believe what you just did in the crowd, you know, or, you know, Hey, how did you do that? Or gosh, you know, you've got such confidence in the crowd. I'm like, well, well, that's what I, that's where I started. So, Mm. You know, I just, I was just working crowds and, and, uh, working my impromptu game, you know? So. Oh yeah. And, and like, you know, I would say you are one of the best, if not the best, like, like, and I use the word range a lot, but our job is to relate to people. And like, when, when I watch you, like you can do everything, you can dunk, you can skate, you can do everything. And I think really that's what a, really good mascots should be able to do because it's no different than a commercial actor on TV having to relate to their audience. You have to relate to them and you have so many skills that you can do. Um, and that's why I think, you know, and we've had this talk. I, I know we have like, I won't name names, but there are guys that are like a one trick pony where, you know, like they're pretty much good at this and only this. Right. And like, they're going to do their thing. But like when I watch you, you can pretty much do it all, you know? Um, work in the crowd, do the athletic stuff to really good nonverbal communication. And that's just something that like, you know, like I teach camps and it's like, you either have it or you don't like, I can teach you stuff, but you really need to practice that craft, like having range and, and doing a lot of different things. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've, I've, I've tried to pride myself on that. And, you know, it's the, uh, uh, what's that old saying, you know, you can do everything, but master of none, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I can't think of it right now, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I, I try a lot of stuff, but, but, uh, master of none anyways, Todd. So tell me some, some fails you've had. <laughs> oh God. This one still lasts to this day. Um, actually Robert who you've had on here probably in Houston you know like we share ideas and so yeah it was like my first or second year in the league I was like, like I just I had done skits but on an NFL crowd but not on an NBA crowd and like then you smaller so you you kind of have to scale things down so it's like hey Robert I need a I'm like thinking of a skit so I just did this one the other night you know I sit at center court and Robert was always big on signs so he's like you know get four dancers out and just point to one and have him sign that says let's, you know, the next one's go, key, you know, or he had rock and then hats and, you know, four, and he would point to the dancers until it went faster and faster. So I was pointing to the dancers and mine was like let's, and the signs were let's go, key, like a key on a keychain, and then I-N-G-S, like ing. So I went around and I would point to the dancers and I'd be like let's, you know, go. And then people would yell key and then ings, but people didn't, like, I couldn't get the dancers to put the signs up on time. <laughs> and then the crowd wasn't saying it in sync. And so it just sounded like one big garbled mess as I was pointing around to people. And I joke you not that still to this day, like I got booed off the court and I was thinking, I just moved so far for this job. And I'm thinking, did I make the right decisions? I just got <laughs> booed off by like 17,000 people. And like Robert had, you know, giving me this idea. And I was like, this is the worst idea ever. So bad to the point where if I have a failure now or something happens or like we talk about failures in, in our department, people will joke with me. They're like, oh, that's a like, let's go Keens moment. And that was like 15 years ago. Like that's how <laughs> bad that skit went. Um, so that's like, that's probably like one of my like best memorable ones to this point. So yeah, that, that one was a travesty. That was like a train wreck. Oh my gosh. And I can just imagine you out there too. And when you say it's just a big garbled mess, you know, of noise. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that. I can relate. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And I, and, and you're also sitting there going, great. I just spent all this time, money and everything moving out here. Second guessing everything all of a sudden running, replaying all the questions in your head. Why did I do this? <laughs> oh, totally. You're, you're just like, um, people hate me and I just look stupid. You know, the, yeah. And at the time our team was horrific and, you know, it just compounded the fact, you know, and I was like sitting here thinking, well, mascots performance is directly proportional to the team's performance. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was like one of our worst years ever. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That's great. Well, Hey, let me take a pause here real quick. Uh, and we'll come back. I want to ask you a couple more fails, share a couple more fails, uh, with you on my end. Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego chicken. 
<laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over a thousand mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. Okay, so Todd, we're back. You know, it, it, talking about these fails and everything, I, uh, I, I love talking about these because no one ever thinks that we either worry about it or uh, like, like, I don't know, I stew on things forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've had, I'll tell you one, uh, I don't know, kind of a fail, but, you know, so I shoot a backwards half-court shot mm-hmm. every game. Okay, so a couple years ago, Oh, and by the way, it's sponsored. And Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah, and another thing about it is not only is it sponsored, but that sponsor gives $200 to a, a, a couple people that are randomly picked uh, to come out and, you know, stand there on the court while I'm shooting the shot. If I make it, they get $200. If I miss, mm-hmm. it goes up, okay? Mm-hmm. And so for the next game, it's $400. So a couple of years ago, oh, I couldn't hit the side of a barn game after game after game. And it, right at the beginning of the season, too. So I went nine games in a row without hitting a shot. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of my staple. You know, it's kind of my thing. And it's become that over, mm-hmm. over, I don't know how many years I've been doing that. But literally, you know, five games in. People just, they just would flat out boo. Just start booing. Mm. Next game, boom. It would just, you know, walking off the court, here I am, boo. Oh, I'd get so mad. In fact, I got to the point where I was just, I was angry with myself. So I just Mm. started taking it out on fans after a while. Uh, I'd grab a shoe on my way, you know, somebody's shoe on the way off the court, throw it up into the crowd, grab some popcorn and throw it. I'd, I'd go off, I'd push a stanchion down, I'd push a chair over while I'm back, while I'm going back into the tunnel, just throwing a fit. And uh, wow. after one of the first times that I did that, after the game, my boss comes in, he goes, dude, that is the funniest thing. I thought he was going to say, get out of here. You can't throw a fit like that. Anyways, so he's like, dude, keep going with that. Run with it, man. If you miss, I love it. So yeah, I would just let That's my awesome. feelings go. After I missed yeah. a shot and I was getting booed, I, you know, I did everything but, you know, throw my hand up in the air to everybody, you know, and, but literally like people's putting their hands out, they, they were getting into it, like, like slap my hand and I'd full on slap your hand out of the way and, and, uh, kicking things and whatever. <laughs> Anyways, finally, uh, after, um, nine games of missing, I go out there and it was literally the game before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the, the family or the guy that they brought out, it was, it was actually a couple uh, that they brought out on the floor, uh, randomly picked, was, uh, happened to be in the military. And um, young guy, you could tell he was, uh, you know, had a young family if he had kids, I can't remember. But uh, right before Christmas, nailed that. And uh, that guy got like two thousand dollars well nice so, yeah that doesn't yeah. sound like a fail to me it sounds like perfect timing 
<laughs> it was kind of a fail that turned into something good, you know? Jeez, when, uh, you know, it's the silver lining stuff. But, man, up to that point, it was just, it was just tough. But, That's awesome. Uh, you know, Todd, you do a lot of rollerblading in, mm, uh, mm-hmm. in, your, in your show. Have you done the rollerblade ramp dunk, or do you still do that? So, this is actually funny, and Mark will never – I do do that, yes. Um, I actually did that in 04, and it sent me to the hospital, and I told Mark about it. He was another NBA mascot, and then Mark was the first to successfully do it. I actually did it in practice and knocked myself unconscious. Um, but yeah, I've done it. Actually, that's a fail. Actually, we can talk about, I actually did it the last game a couple of years ago. Everything was dialed in. We were crushing it from the three point line and for okay, so whatever the reason, point line, by the way, is so far away and you have to get so high. Yeah. Far. Yeah. So it's, it's 23 feet and, um, I sustained substantial neck injuries from it. So I don't know if I want to do it anymore, but basically um for whatever reason come in come come during the game when we went to do it they put the ramp at the foul line and not the three point so i basically aborted during the i i did it but i basically failed because it was too close because we didn't set it up in the right area we did it in rehearsal right but not during the game so um I've done it successfully, but just not in the game. Oh, so, so how did you, how did yeah. you bail? Um, I ended up going off to, I think I went off to the side to the back of the map. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it was like four years ago. I'm just, <laughs> so yeah. But, I can't uh, even imagine the impact going that fast and swerving around yeah, that so, thing and going for the mat. Yeah. So the first time we did it, I, I set it up. We slung, we slung me from the, the half court and I actually ended up overshooting going up so high the back of my, the bottom of my feet hit the top squares. And then I fell and I missed the crash mat and I crashed the court. And all I remember is waking up in a hospital. No way. You were out that long. Oh yeah. I was out pretty, pretty substantial time. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. This was a long time ago. I did not even know about this. How did I not know about mm-hmm. this? Yeah, because this I, I literally, I told Mark about it. And, and Mark's like, well, you did the math wrong. He's like, well, you know, I cal- you know, Mark, I calculated yeah. the speed. And with what you were going, he's like, you should be doing that from the three-point line. I was like, well, okay, that makes sense now because I hit the, the top of the backboard from the foul line. So, yeah. So then Mark <laughs> crushed it in the game. Um, and Mark will never admit this, but, like, you know, he goes up and, you know, he won stun of the year. I'm like, dude, I, I took my concussion for you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, no, it's cool. I did this for you. Totally. Wow. So. Well, and it's funny because Mark is that way. He just calculates everything, which is great. To- totally. Yeah. 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 So. I'm more of the wing it guy. But Me too. Wow. Well, so how many years have you been in the NBA now? That's my 17th season. 17. Wow. I remember my first conference saying, what is a hot timeout? And everybody laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And I still, rem- like, I still remember thinking I'll do this a couple years. And I'm like, well, it's crazy. That's but, you exactly know, what I thought. That, and there's actually a lot of us doing it. But, like, I, you know, I try to explain this to somebody. Like, you know, if you can do something you love, and let's say your fortune is to do enough 
to do it as long as we've done it, and then for some reason you can't do it anymore, well, then you can say, you know what, you did something you loved for 20-some-odd years, you know? I mean, you only got one shot at this life. So the way I look at it, it's like, you know, it's flown by so quick, so I must be doing something right. Right. I tell you what, I can't believe it's been 30 for me. You know, this is my third yeah. season. And it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Time has flown by. In a lot of ways, I don't feel any different. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel that old. I don't feel older, basically. No. Um, but, you know, it, I still have that <laughs> immaturity that I have to battle with all the time. But at the same time, I love what I do. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, I've been so fortunate. You know, that, that reminds me of, of something that I used to tell my kids. You know, it's, I would travel quite a bit when my kids were younger. I mean, I still do, but there was one point where I could see it in my boy's eyes, like you're going where, and that's how far away and, and all that. And I, I sat, I sat them down at one point and I said, Hey, look, you guys, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm traveling a long ways away and everything, but I want to teach you something here real quick that I, you know, as far as I'm going, and, and whatever, if, if, if at some point I, something happens to me, I don't come back or whatever. Um, don't be sad for me. I mean, yeah, it'll be sad that I'm gone and things like that, but don't be sad for me because I've done what I've wanted to do mm-hmm. for so long. I've had so much oh. fun and I've done so many things in my life that, Hey, I, I'm good. So you guys mm-hmm. go and be good, live your life, have a great time. And just remember that I love you. I've always loved you. I will always love you. You know, that type of thing. And, uh, but mm-hmm. just don't, just don't feel bad for me because, Hey, I probably died doing something that I love. So. Oh, totally. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So Todd, you're, you're a philosopher in my opinion. Uh, hmm. You may not. Yeah. You may not uh, calculate everything, but you, you think through stuff and mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm getting at here is, so what, what does your outside the mascot world look like in the future and uh, that type of thing? Because I know that you're working on a lot of stuff. Um, so I don't know exactly how to answer this, but like, you know, what do I want to do when I'm done? Or what, what exactly do I look at like the, our world at and how it's going, like as far as mascots going like in the future? Well, kind of both, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, I, you know, I think about this all the time. How am I going to deal with the future and what am I going to do to keep my creative juices flowing and uh, that type of thing? Okay. So this is funny you say this because I, I see more and more, I think about that too. And I think about our jobs and how, especially with tech, a lot of things are changing. I think our jobs are fairly, they're very unique. And I think the one thing that people will always go to is like you can automate a lot of things but you can't automate our personalities and as long as we adhere to what our company's beliefs and core values are i think we'll be fine you know and i kind of marry that with our like a mission statement and so i might be getting a little convoluted here but bear with me like my character has like a mission statement that i come up with and if every time i do something it still falls in lines of that and, and my company you know I think we'll be fine. As far as creativity goes, you know, I think a lot of it is building those relationships with people and building those relationships with the fans 
Um, I've always said this, and it's kind of like Gladiator the movie, but if you win the fans over, you'll you'll win your freedom over. But that's so true. Um, I think you build the relationship with build the relationships with good on court entertainment through doing that constantly with your fans, and then it also helps your appearances because it'll help people want to buy into that. So like as far as like keeping the creativity and whatnot and the future of, of what we're doing, I think that's really the the best answer. Like street teams and break dancers, like they will come and go, but we're a unique personality. And I think the key word is to always be relating to your audience. Um, and just like any other business, you have to change in the times. I always think you have to be creating value too for your team. So with, you know, and I would say this, to you, it's your range of stuff that keeps you so valuable. So I would just keep doing what you're doing, but you know, think outside the box, but just be a little safer. Right. Coming coming full circle in this conversation here. You know, I had a conversation with my son who is now with the Pistons, and mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about the whole, uh, you know, cutting back on making fun of other teams' fans and and players and things like that. And uh, I loved his approach on it. He just replied with, well, he said, this is just going to push us to be better, to think deeper and uh, get better Mm -hmm. at our craft. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, he says that's the easy way, you know, to make fun of another, you know, another team or, or, or fan or whatever. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do that. Yeah. And you know, like one thing my brother always said to me, like growing up, he always says, why do you always have to be different? And, like, I always try and tell people, like, don't always be average. Like, always think outside the box. Always be different. Like, even when I, like, would apply for my job, like, for this particular job, like, I always thought, okay, what are other people not doing that I can do to make myself stick out? That's how I always approach things. Um, And I even, I mean, I remember interviewing for this job years ago. I said, look, like, Besides the game, I know that's the star, but like I want people to walk away from the game saying I had the best time watching the character. Um, and it was actually you who said this to me one time that at some point in your career, your team will be so bad or you will have such bad years that people will watch you more than the game. And that's unfortunate, but it's, it's a fact sometimes and it's a reason why we have jobs. But really like, people at some point in my career did actually watch me more than games. So, I mean, and I would say the same for you. So, I mean, I think the thing is to always be on and always think differently. I love it. You put that so well. I think that all the time, what am I going to do right now that no one expects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do what everybody else won't do or, exactly. you know, and at the same time, stay within those, that uh, mission statement of your character. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this at the conference this year, and I, and I, I feel bad you weren't there. Uh, but Rance, he brought up something that, that was really interesting uh, for his character. If you describe it, he is the coolest dork in the room. I love that. The coolest mm-hmm. dork in the room. And uh, that, just, that really does describe <laughs> him, doesn't it? So, oh, completely. I mean, that's his character all over. So, anyways. You know, Todd, I got to start wrapping this up here, but, you know, give me, a, give me another story, uh, either one that really touched your heart or an unforgettable story on the court. Ooh. We have a player, I'll, I'll like, remain anonymous, um, but it's so funny. This kind of touches on the information age. He was a player with us. We traded. He probably gets 
the worst rap, one of the worst raps in the NBA as far as his demeanor, um, who he is as, as a person on the court. You know, he kind of cries a lot and whatnot. But we traded him. But I was very fortunate enough to do appearances with him and to see what he's, he's, he's doing. I'll just say he plays, God, he plays with the Lakers right now. Okay. So I'll just say that. But uh, there's probably a handful of people that may, I would say 20 people that understand him. And I, I would say I'm one of them, but basically we had a family who was very just down and out on their times. And um, he basically bought them a car and I was very fortunate enough to be there when he did it. And um, he's, I know him personally and I, I've known, I've knows I know he has paid for multiple funerals. He's, he is to this day. And I've talked to our PR person, Philanthropically, he's donated more money to our community than any player. He's a phenomenal human being, but he just wants to win so bad. Um, and it really, like, it's, I guess when you gave this car away, I mean, like, it's, and you, you know, some of these appearances, you're like, especially like anything with involving children when they get, um, have misfortune, it's, it's hard to like not break down in costume. But anyway, long story short, this guy is so awesome as a human being, but he's just, He's misunderstood on the basketball court because he just wants to win. Um, so I think that's just it's it's such a disconnect with the information age and with what people see on social media. But I would probably have to say that it's it wasn't just one moment with him. It's just the whole combined moments that we have with this guy, and uh, he's just he's a he's a great dude. He just you know there's just that disconnect. But I would have to say that's probably like one of my favorite moments was when he gave a car away to this family that really was down and out. Wow. I am going to call you after this and (laughs) find out who that is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll text you. But, um, well, cause there's a lot of guys that have been throughout the ages, uh, like Charles Barkley. I mean, gosh, at one point he was, you know, everybody thought he was the loose cannon. He was a big jerk and everything. And then I got to know him behind the scenes and, what an amazing guy that mm-hmm. loves the fans, like really gets the whole, you know, entertainment value and, uh, and sense of entertainment for the game and everything too. So, um, but I love to hear stories like that about players uh, because a lot of times, especially nowadays, man, it's about the money or it's, 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 you know, about the fame. So, um, mm. you know, I, I didn't hear about that and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. So, you know, and now I, I, I'm glad I'm hearing about it this way. So, and it's great that we get to be a part of things like that, you know, mm-hmm. see the inside. So, I mean, not to toot our horns or anything, but, uh, we are, we have been very blessed. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Todd, let's, uh, let's wrap this up, man. But I'll tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on here. Uh, I really appreciate you, what you do, uh, your friendship. Great performer, great person. Appreciate you being on here, man. Cool. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too. Take care. I've been scoring. Cheap deals. Bore me. Blah, blah. You bore me. Caution. Warning. I've been scoring. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. 
So if you like this, go ahead and subscribe. A lot of people listen and they don't subscribe. So go ahead, subscribe. Share this as well because it's the best podcast in the world, right? Also, join us on Facebook because we're putting out a lot of mascot stuff all the time on there. So Between the Fur on Facebook. Thanks. Peace.